Namaste. As Hindus, we are blessed to have access to a colorful storytelling tradition. For Hindu parents, stories can be the most versatile tool in our toolbox. We can also think of stories as the crown jewel among the many beautiful gems in our inheritance. But first, we need to ask an important question. Why tell stories? Let us hear from Bharati ji, a mother and a professional writer and storyteller. She likes to describe herself as a student of Mahabharata with a passion for making people appreciate it and learn from it. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at mymbjourney. Namaste Bharati. We're very excited to have you as a guest on today's episode of the Hindu Parenting Podcast. So thank you for having me here. I'm very excited to be here discussing the importance and value of our stories from our Purana Itihasas. Thank you again. Wonderful. So let's just start with the basics. Why tell stories at all? So stories are a very nice way, a very ideal way to uh, give out a lot of information in a very painless manner and also to ensure that it gets it remains in the mind in a very painless manner. You don't have to work hard to you know, remember a story the way you would work hard to remember, say, a history lesson. If you're talking about, uh, say, the Battle of Haldigati or whatever, you have, to, um, you have to give a number of dates and you have to tell them this person for that person. A child or even an adult wouldn't remember it beyond probably the exam date and that with great difficulty. So the interest factor is definitely not there in remembering things like that. If you want to pass on inform lots of information like that, lots of information that is complex particularly, or lots of concepts that are con that are complex, you simply can't do it in any other way uh, that would be effective. So storytelling session can it can become it can be quite versatile. It can work standalone also. Like you can ask an older child to read stories on their own and assimilate. It can become an interactive session with kids. It can become an interactive session for a younger child. Uh, it encourages dialogue. Basically, stories are a very good way to encourage the child to start thinking on their own feet. It makes them inquisitive. It makes them explore things. It makes them start thinking, oh, why is this like that? Why did this person do that? In this situation, he should have done that or it's a good thing he did this. It makes them think about why people do things and why why in a situation, how to act. It, make, it encourages all of that. That's why uh, we have to tell stories to convey information to children. So isn't it a problem of uh, history teaching that they are not adapting history to stories and instead making it so dry and useless uh, just factoids and dates and you know it's it's pretty ridiculous and and pretty which much. actually history not learning history uh, is creating problems for us because uh, uh, history is very important to understand who we are and the way history is taught today none of us are ever interested in that subject you know why can't correct, history correct. teaching change it should change. In fact, uh, if we if we go back to our past, that's how we have been trying to teach. We have been trying to pass on even values the same way, right? That's how that's how it has uh, traditionally. That's how it's been in India. We have taught through storytelling. We that is how our tradition goes. We have our, uh, for example, if you take the uh, the 
are complex notions that are in the vedas we don't go around telling people okay all of you sit and read the vedas and understand and start following because they are couched in such complex terms they are not easy to understand or interpret that's why you see such a lot of wrong interpretation of vedas happening because they are not designed for the common man to sit and interpret them but the thing is the storytelling made it all easier so that's why we call the mahabharata the fifth veda it's supposed to have all the four, or the essence of all the four vedas uh, compressed and brought into a storytelling format a story can be understood by literally virtually anybody you don't need a background knowledge or a foundational knowledge to understand a story you relate with the characters you you so you somebody tells you a did this b did this they fought and this happened anybody can understand anybody has conflict in life anybody has uh, desires in life so when you convert yeah. teachings into terms or into actions or into events that people can relate to it becomes easier for even a lay person to understand what is happening understand the situation as well as understand the solution for that situation so this is why storytelling as a tradition has been a great way for us to pass on information from generation to generation information of all sorts of uh, varieties actually not just our uh, about our past but several things you know geographical you look at our epics you will find geographical uh, hints there you'll find hints about lifestyle you'll find hints about religion there is so much involved in it and storytelling brings all of it together in one single easy to understand tool yeah so um, is there a method to storytelling you know uh, how has the storytelling tradition evolved uh, in our country can you uh, can you throw some light on that see first thing is that our storytelling does not assume that the person is going to listen and just you know follow it blindly that is the first thing to understand that's how we, that's where it hinges upon so uh, whether it is a guru telling a story to a shishya or a king asking his kulaguru for a story or somebody else telling or somebody trying to give advice through a story the person listening was encouraged to do so with an inquisitive with an enquirer's mind he was encouraged to ask questions to debate debate has always been a very important part of our tradition that has been how knowledge has been shared you know the greatest the greatest of our gnanis have debated and argued and convinced we believe in convincing and persuading people not in forcing our ideas down their throats that's not what we are about we are we are interested in persuading people to understand what we are about and then we leave it to their judgment that's what we do we are not uh, we are not into asking people to asking our children to blindly follow what we are telling them we want them to explore and find answers on their own for example if you look at uh, any of our uh great epics or any of our texts you'll find a question answer format happening there if you see the mahabharata it opens with uh, the suta the suta is a bard he can he, he, one of his roles is, is the bard and he plays a very prominent role in many of our epics and puranas he is the conduit of knowledge he passes on knowledge he passes on information he passes on uh, he anchors our civilization by carrying stories from the past or from the present from one place to another uh, so the mahabharata opens with the rishis of naimisharanya asking the suta ugrashrava to tell them the story that he has heard 
एट किंग जन्मे जयाक्रिफाइस एंड उग्राश्रवास बिगिन टेलिंग दम दोरी ऑफ द महाभारता and within the mahabharata you see he is telling how janame jaya asked his guru vaishampayana to know about his past his ancestor and how you find stories within stories within stories and within the stories you can see that there's always a, um, an an option for the listener to stop the narrator ask him you said this i am not convinced convince me you said this explain this further you told me that how does that work i don't understand give me an example so we teach by examples this is how the storytelling tradition is evolving we teach by examples you know this so actually ties in with something that we have uh, covered in our uh, in uh, in uh, one of our initial podcasts where we discussed mm-hmm. uh, what it means to be a hindu and one of the mm-hmm. things that we had talked about uh, was that uh, we are a a uh, seeking tradition not a believing mm. tradition so what you mm. say is tying in exactly with that you know we right. never right. ask people to blindly believe anything right. we always right. uh, we always encouraged questioning we mm. always encourage encouraged uh, inquiry and uh, yeah this is how we have evolved over millennia so uh, right. see even our stories follow the same pattern so we are always seekers never believers you know so some of our greatest works we wouldn't have the geeta with us if arjuna was start from an early age don't ask questions whatever somebody tells you blindly follow arjuna wouldn't have asked any question he would have quietly gone and either fought or he would have taken sanyas and gone like he wants to he would not have questioned he knew he knows he's questioning god yeah i mean we are asked arjuna is questioning god literally he knows that is god standing in front of him he is questioning him because we have been encouraged to question and ask and clarify our doubts we are not told you have doubts don't speak about them just follow blindly no you have doubts clarify them to your mental satisfaction to your heart satisfaction clarify your doubts all we want people to do all we should encourage our children to do all we are told to encourage our children to do is to seek answers in the right places in the right manner and to interpret in the right manner and to implement in the right manner that is all we need we are not here to tell them this is the answer it, it's not like we are doing now at school right this is the answer i want from you you miss out even one word from this i will cut two marks no this is not what we are about we are about asking our Uh, our people to ask questions clarify their own doubts convince themselves we are not here to force things down their throat we want people to be you know very happily and peacefully convinced that this is the right thing to do and then only do it with full acceptance that is what we are about that is what we are trying to do maybe you should just tell yeah. us a small story demonstrating this this aspect a small story see for one thing if we suppose we one of the things that we would like to do as parents no is to communicate to our children what are uh, what are what hinduism is right what are basic principles are for example but if you if you want to tell it to a very small child it becomes very difficult how do you explain we are one of the very few religions maybe the only one i am not very sure about every religion in the world so i would not deign to you know blanket statement that but we have this we don't think that death is the end right we don't think that death is then we think death is one pit stop so how do you tell a very young child who has probably seen the death of a grandparent or a great grandparent how do you tell a child about death and rebirth 
you have stories from that for example you have the story about this king called nimi so he is a very powerful king very strong king very righteous guy his kingdom is very very prosperous people are very happy with him he does a lot of uh, yaga sacrifices for his kingdom he's a very um, he's a very nice guy and a very uh, a strong king also uh one time what happens is that he gets in he has a misunderstanding with his kulaguru who is vasishta and vasishta gets so annoyed with him that he curses him to lose his mortal body which means to die he curses him to lose his mortal okay. body okay so now nimi is in the middle of a very important yaga and he has because he is a righteous king and we have this belief that you do a good thing and you have uh, righteous things give you Uh, some power of your own so this guy is a righteous king and he has some uh, built up power of his own so he doesn't immediately drop it the rishis who are doing his yaga for him come to him and tell him look you can't suddenly drop off dead now we need you here to complete the yaga so we will ensure that you can stay alive until it is complete and so by use of a lot of medicines and mantras and all they keep him alive until the yaga is done so when the yaga is done this guy is very uh, this guy is uh, almost dead he is dying but the yaga has been completed very successful so the rishis come to him and tell him look this has been done very successfully the gods are happy with you so they want to give you a boon now ask for the kind of body that you want because you know the obvious thing what do any of us want we want to live long we want immortality we want to be healthy and enjoy life for a long time and all that so assuming that since this guy is mortal this guy rishis ask him okay what kind of body do you seek but nimi tells them look i don't want a body because i have realized that a body is perishable it is limited i don't want a body at all let me peacefully end and the boon that i want is that i should exist unseen in my kingdom itself everywhere pervading my kingdom i should exist here itself and help my people attain moksha i don't i have uh, i've understood this body is uh, of no use to me so let me exist in a higher plane than this hmm. and uh, this guy they agree they accept his boon and nimi leaves sheds his body his body perishes he sheds okay. his body and he remains in that place uh, in a in the form uh, like air exists everywhere his spirit pervades every place there and because he has dropped his body he has known as videha videha and the okay. prince okay. yeah and the princess of that kingdom is known as vaidehi that is why vaidehi is sita Oh, that's so beautiful! I never knew this. So we they have body. We they have. So we they have. Nimi's son is Mithi. After him is named Mithila. The princess of Mithila, Sita, is named Vaidehi before because of Videha. So oh, see, no, how is, how is the direct connection between Videha and Vaidehi? He is known as Videha, and all the kings after and in his clan are also known as Videha. and from that region which is pervaded by videha the oh, princess is known okay. as the one who arises from videha vaidehi oh so you're saying is like so, the, the superficial lesson we get here is there are several superficial lessons that we get here one is even vasishta fell prey to anger and he cursed nimi also curses him back by the way 
that's it's a long story let me not get into that but even vasishta could fall prey to anger and do wrong things that is one thing we should not fail if we fall prey to anger but the inner uh, uh, message there that we can tell is death is not the end and what is more important than you know retaining our body if we want immortality retaining our body is not the solution the solution is to do such things do such acts do things for other people the the things that we do for other people the, the benefits that we bring to other people the good that we do that makes us immortal you stay on videha even if your body is gone you stay on because you have done a lot of good you made a positive impact on the world that is how that is a wonderful lesson to teach our children uh, uh, you know two pronged lesson your body even if it fails it is fine death is not something to be afraid of death was embraced by him it is not something to be afraid of and that beyond death there is something you should be thinking of you should be thinking of how to live your life fully and how to live an impact on society so that you live on beyond death in a right way how else i mean without a story how would you exactly tell your tell a very young child this concept right yes yeah? yes i so this very is nice. the story of sita's ancestors how she came how they came to be called uh, videha right the vaidhi yeah. yeah why sita was called vaidhi and how who videha was and why he was videha so bharti what about knowing our past we usually think that stories are all about our past right so how important is it to know our past and uh, do stories make it easy for us to know about our past yes definitely like uh, whether it is our past or it is our history or it is our uh, it is some notion that we have of what what our family follows or why do we why we have certain practices all of these things are very important Uh, it is important that our our next generation understands why we have certain why we do certain things why we have certain practices or why we follow certain rules in our society uh, sometimes it may applies there may be things that don't apply in a modern context but that does not mean it did not apply when it was made right so it is important for us to know our past it is important for us to know our heritage so we can only when we know where the heritage comes from we learn to respect it we instill pride in our past by building a knowledge base about it by educating our kids about our past like with the nimi story uh under using a story to explain the concept of um why you know immortality of the body of the physical form is not important but to give we have to gain immortality through acts this actually sets a good message for society itself isn't it we are actually shaping community this way we are shaping our culture or our country in this way by inculcating that idea that it is necessary to do good if you want to be remembered as a good guy if you want to be uh, remembered in people's minds after death uh, by giving these ideas we are not, we are connecting our past to our present and we are ensuring that the values which were there in the past continue to the present that is that is why it is it becomes important it stories become a link from our past to the present so were were people before us also uh inculcating pride and identity through the medium of stories yes definitely uh, like i said before the mahabharata starts that way janame jaya in fact asks vaishampayana 
you have told me about the kurukshetra war why the pandavas and kauravas were fighting i want to know more about this why did they end up fighting they were after all cousins why did they end up fighting and then we hear the story of the mahabharata which is a collection of you know hundreds of stories we hear all of we hear janamejaya's past recounted to him through stories there is another uh, example that i can give you for a story there is this little incident in the from the mahabharata this happens right after the kauravas try to burn the pandavas and their mother kunti in the wax palace so these people escape from there and they are uh, they escape through a tunnel and they are wandering in the forests and one day when they are wandering um, they are uh, going through a forest by the banks of the ganga at night and suddenly they come across a gandharva a celestial being who stops their way he is a, a, quite an arrogant guy he thinks he is a celestial very powerful and these are mere mortals they are encroaching upon his territory and uh, he stops them and he attacks uh, he sees these guys these guys are dressed like you know little beggars because they have left their they've been uh, they have escaped from a burning palace literally so he thinks these are mere mortals what can they do and he stops them and says how dare you encroach on my territory this ganga is mine this forest is mine get out and arjuna is leading them with just a fire torch in his hand he's not yet got the gandiva and all that right now okay he is just uh, he's quite young he's got a fire torch in his hand he's leading them and this guy uh, stops them and uh, challenges them and he starts attacking and uh, arjuna uses just his fire torch to subdue him with the agni astra the weapon of agni and that guy is so surprised that the mortal a practically a kid does not need a bow to fight him off to to wield the agni astra that he becomes um, he asks arjuna to become his guru and he while talking to arjuna he calls him tapatya so arjuna asks him okay all that is fine usko chodo side mein why did you call me tapatya what does it mean and this gandharva whose name is chitraratha he tells them about how tapati the son of uh, the daughter of surya is one of their ancestors and how about that story and why they are called tapatya this way even the pandavas learn about their past about their ancestors through in the mahabharata itself through their engagement with other people and there are a couple more morals in this story that other that pens can use one is how to treat your enemy he treats them he, they become good friends they become very good friends and in fact chitraratha says that i'll give you a secret knowledge you should you will be able to see whatever you want that secret knowledge that only gandharvas have i'll give it to you and arjuna rejects it and he says no if you're just giving it to me because i am letting you live i don't want it if you want uh, to make friends with me that's fine i'll give you the agni astra in return for that chitraratha wants to give them gandharva horses and these gandharva horses are what are used with arjuna's uh, chariot at kurukshetra oh okay okay there's That's also a second model where uh, chitraratha says ganga is mine this forest is mine and arjuna tells him that these this is nature nature does not belong to anybody it belongs to everyone everybody has an equal right to use and protect it so this protection of nature team you know it comes again and again through the mahabharata several times yeah but sorry i'm digressing here yeah. no no this is very very interesting <laughs> yeah 
and and one quick thing that struck me even in the story of uh, nimi hmm. is how contemporary uh, you know the lessons are that we take from that because if you think about it all the college going students today are interested in what they call making an impact right it's the same thing as what uh, nimi was in uh, search of i think isn't it yeah he he wanted to make sure that people remembered him see even if you are immortal no people will remember you if you are immortal people can remember you as uh, ravana also as uh, ashwatthama also you would, uh, practically wouldn't like that very much right wouldn't you rather be remembered as somebody who left a positive mark somebody people remember you with pride rather than uh, aversion isn't that what we want Isn't that what we should want at least so that's what aspirations have been uh, eternal you know yeah, so yeah. what uh, whether it is nimi's time whether it is 2023 i think uh, the the aspirations and the desires of human beings remain mostly the same you know you want to do good yeah. things you want to be remembered well so yeah yeah Uh, yeah, stories are timeless timeless actually. lesson so, yeah 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 timeless absolutely timeless yeah so ha i mean stories are a way to speak about our past okay um, and i think in former times the stories told about our past were tailored so that uh, people listening to would not get wrong sort of ideas about their past so even if there was something wrong in the past Uh, it is explained as uh, something born out of ignorance or something born out of you know some inadequacy in the person's understanding or something like that but today what is happening is even the stories of our past are being reinterpreted and uh, they are told in such a way that children are actually uh, finding only fault with our past correct, correct. you know so Correct. how can how can we undo that you know it's being mixed up with so many um, unnecessary theories and unnecessary ideology pushing through uh, you know and it is detrimental for us as a nation as a uh, tradition as a people to to have such a bad view of our own past what do you say very very true. i agree very much and the problem this problem i think mainly comes because the people who are doing the storytelling nowadays don't have a very strong grasp of uh, the original text that they are actually telling the stories from if you literally anybody can tell you a story which they claim is from the mahabharata and this is one thing that i uh, spend it, uh, a lot of time Uh, on because there are so many myths that come up with stories that create such a lot of uh, misunderstandings about our our own stories our own past for example if you see uh, in the past nothing was excused you know people were not whitewashed for anything that's Correct. what i said we don't try to you know tell people that you have to listen and you have to understand or we have stories which say how people made wrong decisions too because sometimes it is important to know what not to do as important as it is to know what to do right so right. we do we have to have a corpus of stories that are coming from the original source for example if you see um, uh, say if you see the story of yudhishthira at dyutasabha yudhishthira actually gambles away his 
wife his brothers his kingdom so people use that and say i don't want to yudhishthir is a, a gambler right but what did he do after yeah. that did he never regret that did he never correct himself what did he do he was he, it was a flaw he never said he did the right thing we forget that part of it we take it out of context even worse example would be nowadays people want to be like uh, uh, i see so many videos from these young girls saying that i don't want a husband like rama i want a brother like ravana i mean like seriously are you nuts ravana yeah. was a serial molester the guy stole the kingdom from his brother he was a cannibal you want a brother like ravana he killed his sister's husband he killed shurpanaka's husband yeah okay uh, you want a brother like that and you think that uh, because he went to war for shurpanaka he, he didn't go to war for shurpanaka's no he went to war for sita first point shurpanaka's became a widow only because of ravana and without knowing this the context you, you, you take the story out of context the storyteller doesn't know the context doesn't bother to find out and you create a whole story out of making this ravana this great hero he was a great vedic gnani who rama even sent lakshmana to as he are why will rama send lakshmana to ravana to learn anything who were rama's gurus why on earth will he go and send lakshmana to ravana to learn anything seriously these these notions these myths keep cropping up and these are the things that are muddying the waters so we see that when things are stories are taken out of context and presented then obviously people are going to get a very different picture from what the original source tries to tell you if you try to take out for example uh, any incident from uh, from an epic you try to take out just the wali incident from the epic you will find rama being in the wrong wali being in the right but what wali did why he was killed why he was killed in that way all of these things appear in the story before that so if you just take out the uh, one incident alone and try to see, see it with a very critical lens you're obviously going to get a very different and often very wrong meaning to the story which was never intended at all so this is why you have to enter when you and there seems to be an idea nowadays for people to enter with a very biased mindset when they approach a story that comes from our itihasa puranas you know the idea seems to be that they it was things where people were regressive back then and that's not at all true in fact uh, if you take um, uh, if you if you want to talk about say an example like sati maybe there is mm-hmm. this idea that uh, women were forced into sati they were treated very badly and all that that actually is not true if you pick up any of the epics and see i can give you the names of like five five women who were widows who uh, let me for example kunti satyavati ulupi was a widow she liked arjuna she kidnapped him and married him mm-hmm. i mean i can give you hundreds of examples like that amba ambalika Uh, mm-hmm. the kaurava the 100 kaurava princess wives all of them lived on at hastinapur after the war so yeah. you know ideas like this get Im- embedded in the present generations uh, minds and these ideas don't have any basis in our own epics or our puranas or our itihasas we need, there is a need today for people to go back to the source find out for themselves whether what they are hearing is actually told in our past in is in our tradition that is very important i think so some yeah. of it is because of uh, half knowledge right i mean you know very a little much. bit you don't know 
Uh, and the other thing is a desire to appear very um, intellectual, you uh, know. <laughs> I know. Not very contemporary because yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. It's you're it's also so... trying to reinterpret things based huh. on today's uh, standards, but um, you know today's standards is... which are not even uh, coming from They're our own standards. Culture. They huh. are they are just yeah. some ideologies yeah. borrowed from wherever you know that. Yeah, but, but when you are talking about standards, today's so-called standards itself are going to change a hundred years from now, right? I mean, it's not. Uh, so you you cannot analyze even today with the lens you're going to use, say, a hundred years later. So things are not uh, to be taken so totally out of context. So yeah. I think studying it holistically. When when we are talking about standards, see the basic foundational values that we need to have ha remain eternally the same, right? It was the same then also. It is the same today also. Today, we don't understand what our foundational values are. That is the biggest problem. For example, if you look at, uh, there is a concept of dharma, right? We we are all about the concept of dharma. When we talk about, the take the Gita again. The whole of Gita is a treatise not of religion, but it is a treatise of dharma. Dharma is always higher for us than the individual faith so uh, if we start talking about that we will see that uh, the uh, the individual's duty towards society at large has always got precedence in all our itihasa puranas rama had a duty towards his kingdom right he had a duty towards his kingdom and even when he was in the forest exiled from his own kingdom he could not say no no i am exiled i am on vacation now i am going to sit here and only enjoy fruits and nuts and animals and all i am i am not going to do anything i am not going to do my job because i have my kingdom has been taken away from me why should i sit and when i don't have the right to enjoy my kingdom and luxury why should i do work for it he didn't ask that he went he still believed in his kshatriya duty to protect the denizens of the forest the rishis the sages from the rakshasas he risked his life for that so the individual dharma is always subservient to the dharma to the society that is that is our basic foundational value and that you will find across all our purana itihasas all our stories you will find that and that has to apply even today even today i can't say that no no i want to play loud music in my house i like music you can't do that you live in a society or a human being you have to make sure that the, your neighbors are not disturbed you can't say i will go on the road at whatever speed i want and people should move out of my way no you don't have a right to harm other people your pleasure comes only after the pleasure of this after the safety of the society or what is good for it right that those are the standards that we have always followed yeah so so um, bharati when we are faced with difficult decisions and choices can stories come to our aid uh, because children like to see a practical relevance to everything today right i mean so how can you apply stories to the current situation they are actually the best way to tell 
your child how to decide because you are not you know you are not forcing an idea down their throat you are not telling them look this is right that is wrong your child is likely to rebel and say no i'll make up my own mind you please get lost instead if you have already see that's what i said stories become a template so the stories told in childhood become a template for an a teenager to apply the same thought process at a later age when they face a similar situation so uh, even in the past stories have been used in the same way to whether it is to communicate a message like vidura is sending the mouse uh, uh, to yudhishthira he is talking to him and he is giving an example of a mouse he is uh, couching uh, a story of a mouse and saying that the mouse hides under the earth when it wants to escape a fire he tells a little story for that to indicate to yudhishthira to expect um some kind of danger from a fire before they go to the wax palace so they are prepared for it In the same way uh, this is probably a story that most people would not know but <clears throat> the war has been is has become inevitable at kurukshetra but the pandavas as they have been trying all along want to prevent the war because they know that their own people will be standing against them they are against the war and although they are uh, almost sure that duryodhana is not going to agree they are sending krishna across to have peace talks with the kauravas mm-hmm. so uh, krishna goes as the peace messenger duryodhana does not listen to him he says i will not even give one needle point of territory yudhishthira is asking first of all the war does not take place for hastinapur the war is taking place for the kingdom of indraprastha that the pandavas are asking back the kingdom of kingdom of indraprastha has been raised from scratch by the pandavas they are not asking for hastinapura which mm-hmm. is the ancestral kingdom they are interested in the mm-hmm. kingdom that they created from scratch from a barren land this is the kingdom mm-hmm. that duryodhana is refusing to give back this, so this point is also not communicated accurately yeah uh, yeah yeah exactly that's why that's why i brought it up yeah because we assume that the battle was for hastinapur yeah. the they never battled for us and we are told that these two sets of cousins were fighting for the throne so ah. it turns out so, this was it is this way see the th- throne was never see, first of all there is another misconception also that the eldest son should get the throne poor dhritarashtra was blind he was cheated out of his legacy no dhritarashtra's eldest son is fine he can get no no the kuru clan never believed in the theory of the eldest son rules there were several examples even shantanu bishma's father was not the eldest son he was the second son before that several several examples okay there are puru rules puru is the youngest son of yayat yadu is the eldest son yadu is not yadu doesn't rule puru rules so there are several examples the eldest son rules is not the rule followed by the kuru clan at all anyway that is a different story so uh, we they are, they are not fighting for hastinapur at all they are fighting for indraprastha and even that yudhishthira is willing to give up and he says let me just avert this war give me just five villages even that duryodhan mm. refuses and he says i'll not give you even a needle point of territory so mm. krishna's peace message fails he comes to take leave from kunti kunti is the pandava's mother who is living at hastinapur with vidura the minister he comes to kunti kunti is krishna's aunt comes to take leave from her and kunti that chatrani that she is people assume that kunti is this cowardly woman always crying and weeping no she is the true example of a chatrani she berates yudhishthira her son she sends a message to through krishna to yudhishthira inspiring him to action 
telling him mm-hmm. that what are you doing begging for five villages you come to the uh, battlefield fight and take back your kingdom or die fighting you are a kshatriya that's your duty and she uses mm-hmm. the story of vidula of a elderly lady called vidula and her son sanjaya to illustrate this story so now a so, story uh, within a story okay yeah. <laughs> go on go on <laughs> okay sanjaya is this guy who has been defeated by the sindhu raj and he's been thrown out of his kingdom so this guy is now heartbroken and is uh, sitting and lamenting my kingdom is gone i have been thrown out and all that he's very depressed and is moping around and his mother gets seriously annoyed with him and she tells him what the heck are you doing why are you sitting and moping around you are a kshatriya or what are you instead of moping go and fight how many ever times you have to fight it's okay you go and fight if you lose your life on the battlefield what better end can a kshatriya uh, Uh, think of go and fight and then he asks her okay look i don't have anybody all my i have lost everything i don't i have just the clothes on my back who will be my allies and she even gives him ideas on how to make allies choose those people who have enmity with that guy choose those people that he has tormented choose those people he has conquered she gives him a practical lesson you know in making allies and she okay. who to recognize as your allies she gives him ah, that how, lesson ah how okay. to convince okay. people okay. to come out your side and fight and, and, also, and also a never say die spirit do you do you ah, that that's what i'm yeah. getting she tells him don't you dare sit here and mope i did not uh, give birth to a kshatriya for this purpose you better go to the battlefield i will be proud to say that you died in battle but this is bringing shame to me this is what vidula tells sanjaya and kunti very beautifully passes on the story to yudhishthira to inspire him to action because he because the peace mission has failed and she sends a message to him telling him that you are pandu's son the powerful and great pandu's son you are sitting here in begging for five villages this is your birthright indraprastha you have created you go to battle for it and get it back by force this is what the mother sends to the son okay she is she is not afraid that her sons will die she has brought forth such kshatriya sons for that is the role of the kshatriyas they are there to protect their people they will die in battle to protect their kingdom that is their job so she tells him that so this there's another story also that you can you know think uh, think of as an example to motivate so yudhishthira is, is in exile and he is feeling very sad about their state and he is kind of not in a very nice pleasant state of mind and markandeya rishi comes along at that time and yudhishthira tells him look uh, rishi how we have uh, fallen we used to be the kings and now my brothers and my wife are suffering here and uh, all this misfortune has happened how unfortunate we are and all is kind of in a moping uh, mindset and markandeya quietly listens to all of this and then he tells him okay hang on i'll tell you a story and he tells him the story of rama how rama left the kingdom on his own for just just to keep his father's word how rama voluntarily gave up his kingdom he came to the forest perfectly at peace it was no different he knew he thought he was going to be coronated the in the morning by afternoon his father tells him no you are going to forest he there was no difference in him coronation also he said acha okay fine forest also acha okay fine he is absolutely the absolute equanimity in him. the rishi tells him the story and inspires him to get out of that uh, blue mindset 
and to start thinking straight about what has to be done next what they, this is this is their current state right so what can they do about it how can they use it how can they utilize it and what is their what can they learn from it so these are this is how the stories are used you know in application so when whenever people faced difficult choices even in the past stories were used to motivate them to show them direction very interesting it's uh, effective because after listening to this story of uh, kshatrani i think i'm uh, you know i'm kind of raring to go <laughs> i feel really positive yeah. and motivated <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. See, that sure. is one of the things we don't see right kunti being portrayed that way you don't at all yeah. see kunti being portrayed as that a brave shatrani but imagine she is the mother of five boys widow widowed mother of five boys she brings them up and two of those boys are not hers and mm. those two are her favorite children she brings all four all five boys up to be the pandavas who are the examples of righteousness gandhari having an entire kingdom behind her with bhishma drona everybody could not although she knew dharma she was a very strong lady she tried her best but she couldn't manage to bring up 100 kids in the right direction but this woman uh, with daily assassination assassination attempts on the kids and on her own person she managed to bring up five kids nicely imagine the kind of guts it takes for a woman to do that yeah okay so now we have talked about how you know our stories were all about uh, awakening the seeker in you or uh, telling you about who you were in your past your mm. past stories we also talked about how they can be used to overcome difficult phases and mm. what stories can do to help overcome them uh, so i want to also ask you know can can uh, stories also be used as a teaching tool for character building or personality formation it lends itself certainly but you can i think uh, elaborate more on that absolutely i think one of the most important functions that stories fulfill is to pass on morals and values and this is you know this is out of this has no religious connotation at all literally anybody can use our stories to build character so many you how else would you build principles values morals this is a huge problem for parents right because they're such intangible subjects that's they're so difficult to explain to a child because you can't exactly outline if this situation comes do this if that situ- how can you figure out what situation the child will face 100 situations in the same day you have to instill morals in them values and the sense of discernment so that whenever a situation comes the child can use that discernment to figure out the right way and the wrong way and for doing this there is no other way to do it no better way to do this than by using stories for example if you want to teach uh, uh, a, one one of the important things that we want to teach our children for example is principles right it's a very complex concept principles how first of all how will you explain to a uh, uh, even a teenager how will you lead a principled life okay it's very it's a very you know intangible kind of ethereal kind of concept but when you tell a story you tell them not only that you should have principles that not, but also that no matter what your situation your principles never leave you and one of the best my personal favorite uh, part of the mahabharata comes from the matsya war that is where arjun fights as brihandala 
with the entire kaurava army this anybody uh, this is a personal plug in sorry about that anybody who wants to read the, anybody who has a basic idea of the mahabharata and wants to go deeper kindly start with the matsya war because that, that matsya war will give you an idea of what the pandavas were after that you can start reading the mahabharata and you will understand the mahabharata and what is happening very clearly this matsya war needs to be understood for a lot of reasons there are about 100 principles that you can take from there but anyway let me stick to the uh, uh, thought of principled uh, being principled in your task so arjun is a warrior right so he has certain warriors are supposed to have certain principles in battle war comes with its rules there are yuddha dharma so the yuddha dharma has to be followed all the time apart from yuddha dharma warrior also akshatriya also has other dharma he is a somebody sishya so arjun is somebody sishya he has a sishya dharma he has a guru dharma he has several such dharma they are living the pandavas at this point when the matsya matsya battle happens pandavas are ending their 13 year exile and the condition is that the last year of their exile is spent Uh, in hiding and if they come out and the kauravas can spot any of them the exile begins all over again and they have to go back for another 13 years this the exile is towards its ending phase when all of this is happening and on the day this is the situation in which uh, the pandavas find they are uh, they have concealed themselves at this kingdom called matsya whose king is virat and the kauravas have attacked from two directions so how the four pandavas along with the king have gone to fight um, one faction known as the trigartas who are allies of the kauravas they are fighting over there they have ended the battle there thanks to the pandavas who are helping there arjun is dressed as a um, transgender so he stays back he is a dance teacher at uh, teaching the princess utra so he stays back in the palace and at that time they get the news that the kaurava entire kaurava army has attacked from the other side the army is not there in the kingdom it's all gone off to meet the trigartha uh, attack there's nobody left there's just this young prince called utra who is left and uh, this kid is very boastful he says i will go and fight them and kill them and all that they will think arjuna only has come and He is boasting like that. He has no idea. Of, he has no battle experience. And um, Arjun decides, okay, this guy is going to get himself killed. And he says, I will be this guy's charioteer. He becomes a charioteer. Goes there. Uttar Kumar runs. Arjun catches hold of him, brings him back, and Arjun fights. Mm-hmm. He is a lone warrior, fighting the entire Kaurava army, which includes Bhishma, Drona, Kripa, Ashwatthama, Duryodhana, and its hundred brothers. karna um uh, lord karna's brothers so many people so this entire army basically and there is a lone warrior on this side with this inexperienced terrified uttar kumar um handling the chariot and the fight starts and uh, the kauravas find out why why they have made a mistake in challenging matsya this guy is thrashing them this lone warrior is thrashing them very badly nobody is able to stand before him and in the middle of the battle there is the scene that happens when arjun is fighting his guru kripa kripacharya and a massive battle is going on like uh, the rest of the army is keeping a safe distance away because these people are fighting so 
intensely and there is a point where kripa kripa's armor is shattered his bows are broken and he is so badly injured that he can't stand he is um, leaning against his flagpole and immediately arjun stops fighting he is in the middle of a fight he can kill kripa but he stops fighting immediately he waits for kripa to resume fighting then he resumes fighting so this is so, like you this is the yeah in the middle of the battle he does that and he follows his sishya dharma as well as the yuddha dharma this is his guru he doesn't want to kill him this is his this is his battle dharma he does not want to kill a person who does not who has not uh, who does not have his arms in his hand who does not who is not in a position to fight he gives kripa a chance to surrender or flee and throughout that battle this repeats again and again he can kill all of them he has multiple ch- chances to kill all of them he spares their lives multiple times at the end he does not want to kill them so he uses the sammohanastra to render them unconscious he can kill them still they are all lying at his feet he can kill them still he doesn't you see the same thing because that is his principles he doesn't care what they who the enemy is the enemy surrounds him and fights him he is one guy fighting an army and he is surrounded by them and they are fighting with him they are not following any kind of yuddha dharma but he does still no matter what the situation he follows yuddha dharma because that is his principle you see the same thing repeating with abhimanyu arjuna's son on day 13 when he breaks into the famous chakravyuha mm-hmm. right nobody else knows how to break into it this guy also doesn't know how to break out of it out of it but yeah. he has got this warrior dharma to do what he can for his side he knows very well he cannot break out of it and the minute he goes in and it closes behind him he knows he's going to die he doesn't stop mm-hmm. fighting he fights until the very last drop of blood left in his body and he is attacked unfairly he is attacked by deceit he is attacked when he doesn't have weapons in his hand but until his death abhimanyu does not break yuddha dharma he dies fighting he dies fighting he has divine weapons he does not use divine weapons on ordinary soldiers because it is forbidden he dies fighting a dharma yuddha until the last although he is not being treated with the same fairness so the principle stays with you until your death you do not let go of the principles because when it becomes inconvenient for you. morals like this values like this you can teach through stories a particular and, uh, story yeah this also, this also comes to mind that you know this obviously has been passed on through these stories from generation to generation because um i've heard and read somewhere recently that in the medieval period india the indian rulers were always following this sort of dharma and mm. found themselves at the receiving end because invaders from the outside They obviously wouldn't. have such rules mm-hmm. you know so mm. uh you know there, there was this rule that after sundown you won't uh, fight and before yeah. sunrise you you don't fight and none of this was I followed by invaders from outside yeah. and we were caught napping and how did this uh, you know uh, we learned all this through this method of transmission of stories Correct. only yeah see even in the kurukshetra the yuddha dharma was broken by the kauravas like you said at sundown the battle would be called off so until bhishma was alive 
the rules were not broken on the kaurava side the minute bishma fell rules began to be broken there so oh, when the, on okay. the day yeah yeah so drona was desperate to do what he was supposed to do because nobody expected that bishma would fall nobody actually nobody expected that bishma would fall so the day bishma falls duryodhan immediately changes his war tactics he says he tells drona you are the next commander but look now i no longer want to uh, want you to try to win the war and uh, kill bhima and arjuna idol no no until then he is egging bhima on to kill arjuna because arjuna is the main stay of the pandava army but then he quickly decides that no these guys can't be killed these guys are going to wipe the floor with us because he does not expect that bhishma will fall but arjuna does kill this bring down bhishma so duryodhana's plan immediately changes and he tells drona look your only task now is to capture yudhishthira alive i don't want him dead duryodhana does not want yudhishthira dead why because if yudhishthira dies bhima is the yuvaraja bhima takes charge and if bhima takes charge he will ensure that all the kauravas are destroyed what duryodhana wants to do is you cap he tells drona you capture yudhishthira alive and drona is very happy are you very good how nice you had a change of heart you also started liking yudhishthira you don't want to kill him and he says no 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 boss that's not my idea i don't want him dead because if he dies there is bigger danger for me if bima becomes the uh, leader then i'm finished because bima will not forgive me yudhishthira will forgive me what i will do is i will cheat him into dice playing dice with him me again i will cheat him at the dice game again and i will send him to forest again for the things this is the idea and drona agrees to it finally and he, from that day onwards he is trying to capture yudhishthira this is how the chakravyu comes around actually so and there is a day on the 14th day after jayadratha's death 13th day abhimanyu dies 14th day arjuna vows to kill jayadratha and on the 14th day drona continues the war after sundown the rules are broken so there was that's why they were the adharmis right adharma was there that is why they were the adharmis too because they did not follow the rules it has been oh, such, a, such a fascinating journey you know yeah. but i think we got uh, lost in the stories yeah, yeah i keep getting getting off on branches also <laughs> yeah so uh, just like kids we have also been engrossed with the stories <laughs> but i think we should bring this episode to an end yeah, we will yeah. definitely <laughs> continue uh further you know uh, i'm sure there are a lot more things to discuss so we will catch up one, with you one point one quick point yeah uh, yeah i like uh, bharti to tell our listeners how they can access her stories just one quick point before we close yeah see so uh, what i do is mainly i like to bring out anecdotes like this or small snippets like this from the mahabharata mainly on my twitter and instagrams uh, so my social media accounts are at my mb journey and on these i have these little uh, little uh, squares where you have uh, information about the mahabharata you will find them on the hashtag mb on whatsapp so uh, that is one of the series that i run and the other series is story in squares on which i'm doing currently a series on krishna based on the bhagavad purana so stories in squares are stories in just four squares that will go on twitter or uh, instagram easily the idea is to basically uh, bring our stories in simpler form to um, both adults and children 
but in a short format so that you don't have to spend like three days sitting and reading a story but you can quickly read it in maybe five minutes ten minutes and a lot of uh, maybe uh, excerpts from the mahabharata or a lot of discussions keep going on about the mahabharata on my um, social media accounts mainly twitter so anybody has any questions you feel free to ask me i'm always up for a discussion on any aspect of the mahabharata there are other people on my timeline also who are equally eager so you're always welcome you're the mahabharata my... queen <laughs> <laughs> no no there are much better people around but yeah i love discussing it because it's so much it's, it just never ends you know you discover new things every day yeah yeah the mahabharata so... is a very layered story Yeah. yeah so we shall Please. continue this discussion um yeah. but we will bring it to a close for now and we will be yeah. seeing you uh, in the next episode where we will discuss further on this uh, topic yeah so yes. uh, calling it wraps for now and uh, we will meet our listeners in a fortnight's time thank you rekha namaste to everyone thank you so much darling